Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, happy March. I hope you had a great weekend and got to spend some time outside. March is my favorite time of year to get out and do some spring scouting for whitetails and maybe pick up you know a shed or two along the way. So this weekend, I uh, had the trip, a great trip, scouting a brand new area in a remote spot in Pennsylvania with a couple guys, Johnny Stewart and Greg Glitzinger, who are no strangers to the podcast here. But we had an, an awesome weekend, so I can't wait for for everyone to get to listen to this episode just a fair warning there is some explicit language used in this this campfire discussion if you may call it so if you're around kids or um or if that offends you in any way i'd recommend uh, either not listening or listening at a, a time when you're able to alone but awesome podcasts filled with some some really really good information on scouting and answering a lot of the questions that i've had surrounding mountain buck hunting can't wait for you to get to check out this episode any feedback is is really welcomed on that so let's get right into the the partners of the podcast here so university of elk hunting um, by elk 101 and Corey jacobson it's the most premier resource for you know planning an elk hunt learning about hunting elk everything elk is involved in this this membership it's a one-year membership to an online course not something you're going to complete in a few hours it has a ton of information and i've been been using it for three years now so if you use the code east meets west you can grab 20 percent off of this course saving you 20 dollars on that year membership we're also brought to you by Heather's Choice. So Heather's Choice Meals, um, they're offering all of our listeners and subscribers free shipping on all orders over $99. Use code East Meets West. If the order is under $99, still head over to the website and use our link to just click on the logo on the partners page there. It'll take you over and it helps just show accountability from that standpoint. And then also Maven Optics is uh, partnering with us. And again, Maven's no stranger to myself and to you guys listening here as I've been using Maven Optics now for quite a while. And high quality premier glass at a, a lower price available. So Maven is also offering a free gift with any optics purchase. That's it to the listeners of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. So type in East Meets West dash gift and you will get a free gift with any order online. Also, we have a few other partners that are up on the website here. So Mountain Ops, uh, Wild Carrot Sense, as well as Prime Archery. So the again, these, these companies, the ones that I've partnered with here, they are not um, brand new to me in any way. And, and again, I've talked to them, you know, well before, you know, I decided to partner up with them or I guess they decided to partner with me. But if you would, if you're going to check out any of these products, I don't push anything down anyone's throat. But if you do check out these products, please go on the website, use the links that we have provided there and the coupon codes help show accountability to me 
and you know my support for them. So I'd, I would really greatly appreciate it. In addition, right before we get started here, got a few things going on on the East Meets West Hunt website. So we are we have released the pre-order for the Mountain Buck shirt. Perfect timing for a couple of these podcasts I have here coming out. Really great design that uh, Jesse Lorenzo uh, did for me there. So I, I didn't design this one on my own this time. I reached out to someone who's way more talented than myself and just did a great job on those shirts. So during the pre-order that runs through this Friday, March 8th, you can save yourself $5 on the t-shirt by ordering it then. And also running a sale on the Rut Stash shirt. So it's Rut Stash March um, to kind of coincide with mustache March and grow out your rut stash and save 40% on a rut stash t-shirts here through the month of March. So a lot of stuff going on, have some other new apparel in the works coming out, some hats, shirts, everything really pumped on that. So check it out. And you know, if, if you like it, help support the podcast and pick up, um, some of the apparel items there. So with that being said, let's jump into this podcast here. Hope everyone enjoys it. And once again, leave a a rating, a review, and uh, download and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That helps out so much. Enjoy. Coming at you from the campfire in the PA Wilds. A little bit of campfire stories here with some good buddies. Johnny Stewart, Greg Litzinger. What's going what's, on? What's up, gentlemen? Oh, another right. fun day in the woods. Yeah, saw, saw it eight inches today. Yeah, of snow that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ladies, don't get too excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It uh, we got a little bit more snow than I'd I'd say is ideal for scouting. Just you a know, bit. Yeah, shed hunting, hiking. Anything yeah. Else. Well, yeah. it turned into a more of a, a walkabout session than. Pretty much anything else for me. I mean, the good thing that it was kind of hard underneath. We didn't like pothole eight. Yeah. You know, we kind of broke through the first three, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, it could have been worse. But when we got back on that road on the way back, it was like night and day. It was like walking down a sidewalk. But yeah, you know, you do what you got to do, huh? Yeah. So yeah, before we dive into this too deep here, everyone that's listened to the podcast in the past, if if you have. Then you already know Johnny from last month and Greg Yay! from Johnny, like Greg. sometime last year. I don't know. You know, it wasn't that important. Yeah. You know, I was but. number one. I was your first. I was oh, your right. You were my right. first ever I, recorded podcast, yes, weren't you? I was. Night, Captain Knife Hands. Yes, you were. I, was that up at the uh, bow shoot? That yeah, was yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, I missed challenge. I wanted to get up. Yeah, he was. The, you were the first ever test dummy. Yeah, I you were had. like, here, I got these. This is my first time ever doing this. I was like, oh, well, thanks for the, all right. Yeah, this is going to work out. And you're like, this is the first time I ever met you. Yeah. You've never used your equipment yeah. before. <laughs> and you're about to record with 13 freaking people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's kind of the way I roll. <laughs> but, yeah, that I forgot about that. So, yeah, anyways, these guys have been on the podcast before. If you haven't listened to it, Greg, I think, was episode number Sixteen to eighteen, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I was number one, but I, I was not number one. So you were not you number one. I was just used. Yeah, I, yeah. I was a test. I was a guinea pig. That's it. Yeah, 
No, it had to do with the timing of the releases. I don't really. Oh, we, yeah, right, here, here we, we go. Hear you, here bro. we go. Yeah. Fluffing it up. Yeah. Uh, and then Johnny was just last month. He was episode 46, I think, uh, publicly in Whitetail Tactics. And Greg's was called Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone. So two really good podcasts. If you want to learn a little bit more about their background, you can uh, listen to those. But I don't really care to hear what they have to say about themselves tonight. So I'm not diving into that. What do you think? Good. Yeah. Save save your listeners that heartache. Yeah, I mean, I don't want you know them skipping ahead or going to another podcast after listening to you guys ramble on about yourselves. Bunch of bullshit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Is this that's what bu- we were just saying. My buddies, you know, back in the day. Oh yeah, go hunting with Johnny. He knows his shit. This and that. And then I'd get a, a new guy or something. You know, guys that you know don't hunt as much. And and I'm telling them, I'm going through how I see shit in my head. You know, oh they've been here. This is we're going to come through. I know it. This and that. And then. At the end, they always told me, or my one buddy in particular, I said, you always say, yeah, they're going to come through. This is the way to be. I think it's where to be, maybe. And then he's like, I'm following you. I'm following you. And then and you throw the maybe in. I'm like, well, maybe is because how do you see it? But this is how I see it. You know what I mean? But am I seeing, you know, what you see? Maybe you know something, even though you don't have that many hours in the woods. Maybe you have an idea that I don't. That's why I throw the maybe in it because there's always room to learn. But um, smoked out. So yeah, everybody has their own idea. Whether you're new at hunting these big woods or new at anything, you have your own mind in how you see the the deer, how they move, and and you got your own take. So I can. That's what I always say. I could learn some from someone that doesn't hasn't done it. Like what about this? I'm like, you know. And then when I go with people, I say, what do you think? What do you want to do? Uh, we could uh, well let's try you know i don't know you know everybody's always learned like whitetail it's like always learning from greg yeah. bo me yeah, we were, someone did I mean, yeah we're all bouncing around like we're all we all hunt different uh ways you know i'm a october primarily trained bed hunter you know bo's a rut hunter and like you're the like the late season yeah. guy like yeah. there's a lot of ideas bouncing around today yeah, that was we got all these years of hunting between us. You know, we probably got 60, 50 years, I bet you, between Greg and, like and 50 me. 50 of them are your guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. old time. <laughs> Older shit. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 30. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm getting old. I'm, you know. Yeah, I'm almost 30. I'm getting yeah. old. I know. I'm oh. pushing 27, you know. Yeah. But, you are, know, you, you, spend, <laughs> you get guys like that to spend so much time in the woods and Bo has his take on how he sees it. Greg has his take. And I was like, when they talk, I listen. You know, it's like, oh, this is how he sees it. And, and I don't associate with Greg much, but being out in the woods with him and I listen to him and I put that, you know, in my pocket. I'm like, this is, you know, just listen to him to talk and describe, you know, and it's like I, I, you know, say, man, okay, I'm learning from this guy. You know, he has a lot of experience, but then, you know, Bo don't have as much experience, but I still learn from him, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know why anybody listens to me, but it happens. Yeah, it's, it was it was super cool today, and that's what I was I was pumped about. So to give an idea of the setting and what we're doing here um, as, as a background, so Greg, Johnny, and I kind of decided, we're like, hey, let's scout an area out together. I want to learn. We all have, like I said, as Greg said, different styles of hunting. So... I said, you know, I, I, you know, an area I want to check out and scout. I've never stepped foot on the ground before, you know, it's steep, you know, mountainous type country in, uh, in the Pennsylvania wilds region. And Greg's like, 
hell yeah, I'll drive out there. And John's like, let's do it. Let's, let's pick a weekend and let's do it. And let's make a camping trip out of it. Let's make a whole, you know, thing and let's, let's learn about this. So basically, I mean, it wasn't just throwing a dart at the map. Like, you know, I kind of looked at it and, and figured it looked like a good area for deer. And so we made it happen. And that's why we're sitting here. You know, like I said, it was, it was more of a, something I wanted to learn from these guys. And I think they kind of had the same, you know, mindset learning from each other to better ourselves as, as hunters and, and, you know, trying to figure out the elusive whitetail. But yeah, so we, again, we're sitting here around a campfire. Um, if you hear us like, by the way, if you hear us start choking or something, it's because John keeps throwing we need some light need some heat <laughs> yeah well he, he's doing a good job with that actually and and i have to give him credit he started this fire with wet wood sticks in the snow yeah rub two sticks together <laughs> basically a boy scout you know yeah he actually he just took the the his shoes and used the rubber on the bottom got him hot enough yeah. by rubbing <laughs> yeah. them back and forth a little friction a little fr- a little friction got her going pyro johnny yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so we uh so we uh, kind of like, you know, we talked a little bit ahead of time about the area and, you know, we all looked at, we were sending screenshots back and forth on, you Like know, little our, kids, like schoolboys. Yeah. 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 It was a funny text message group. And our other, my other friend and our other friend, Michael Palladino was supposed to be here, but he got sick and wasn't able to come. But so we miss his, you know, different outlook on it as well, but yeah, our text group for the last few weeks has been hilarious. We sounded like, you know, yeah, we were two teenagers. Little kids, three, four little kids. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice having someone with the same passion because a lot of my hunter buddies are you know, not weekend wars. They hunt hard, but it's like they don't have the passion. It's nice to get around people that are passionate. Just being here with Bo and Greg, it's like you get energy from these guys. I just say vibe. Yeah, yeah. I can just run through the woods knowing that they have the same mindset and it's just makes like a fuel for the fire you know yeah. what i mean it just get it fuel yeah. for the fire you know what i'm saying that was good john yeah that's <laughs> why you're the fireman yeah <laughs> yeah and then like in i don't know today i i mean you and not to sound you know i gotta watch how i use my my words here but not to sound uh cliche or that's not what i'm trying to use but we I, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face i was just i was so yeah. happy to be out today and just like i think in it everybody was yeah. just you know and that's that's great like i said everybody's the same wavelength it's like oh no it's just like yeah it's we we all separated <laughs> yeah yeah and i'll end up back together uh with no self-service just yelling like little kids <laughs> you yep. sound like yeah. you're doing deer drive yeah <laughs> I, I wasn't sure greg scream if he was actually hurt or what but <laughs> we well, had an orange shirt on and we because looking for the orange shirt he's on the other mountain and he takes it off we're well, hot man we've gone that other hill but i don't see any orange yeah, he dove down into one of the steepest valleys that I've seen and had to come out of it. So I give him credit for that. We come back and his hat's freaking soaked and <laughs> yeah, he was sweating. <laughs> I said he gotta come up that canyon. But I mean that's the good thing about this time of year. We can scream and holler and make us noise and a deer just kinda take it with nonchalant and you're out there like with your notebook taking notes, you know. So yeah. that's the time to be doing this. And that's with the I marked probably I don't know, fifteen spots on on the onyx today. Yeah, like I got that rub line, that that ter- that uh, elevation. There was just an awful amount of rubs on that one elevation. Yeah, I'd go fifty foot above or below it, and just nothing. You know, so I was like, all right, that's you know, a good cruising route for a buck at the top of that draw. And uh, 
I said them points, all that betting, rubs. Just a good day. Yeah. You know? And and just uh so if you're listening to this as it released, um this week at some point, I'm not sure an exact day, but over on Onyx Hunt's Instagram page, gonna be doing uh Instagram takeover on their story. So I'm filming this whole thing just on my cell phone and then some DSLR images to kind of go through the whole story and our process to scouting this new country and just having a good time at camp and, you know, enjoying a few beers as, as always, you know, as we got back here, some dinner and everything else. So it's, so check that out if you listen to it live. If if not, I'm sure they're gonna save it or I'll, or I might Hopefully. find something else to do with it. Yeah. yeah, you know. Hopefully they'll save it. Yeah, or they might turn it down and this may never go on anything. Yeah. It might like, be um, just like come a couple. Yeah, I don't know about that. Guys around the campfire with a bunch of bullshit, but you yeah. know, I mean. <laughs> and another thing, and me and Bo talked on a lot last podcast is you can't just study onyx i mean it shows you so many features topo clear cuts but once you get the boot you need the boots on the ground like me and Bo and greg said let's take this this flat this ridge and there's some clear cuts so we start out <laughs> we're heading toward the clear cuts you know where we think the food for the winter is um there's a pretty good hunk of ice under the snow and they're not scratching so we want to get some browse buds and stuff like that so we get back we're all pumped up you know like kids in a candy store and all the clear cuts are fenced in and we're like oh man you know kind of keeping deer out but what we found from today it keeps the deer in huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys yeah, it complain about it you know what i mean yeah yeah the so the the clear the clear cuts and we got up to it and we're like you gotta be kidding me every one of these is completely fenced in and then we started noticing rubs on the inside yeah, lots of rubs in them. <laughs> well what they have is either there's holes in the fences which will most likely be fixed as they check them every year but they have doorways in them for the, if the deer do get in to get out yes. and, and the one bow found specifically them does were coming in and out of them doors like yeah. greg mentioned and i didn't think about it they open from the inside out so when the animals are in they nose in that fence around the yep. perimeter and they find that way out yep and and that was, it was actually pretty crazy. I mean, that from a hunting standpoint, yeah. that helps funnel them. Yeah. And also, yeah, the outsides created funnels. But yeah, well, you and, know, those bucks will be checking. You know, a, a buck that's been around the block a few a uh, few seasons. You know, he's he knows where those trap doors are. Mm-hmm. He knows if those are coming through there. So he don't need to go try and get in there. He knows so when he come out, it. he can just sit and you know yep. lie and wait. You know, like a one of them trapdoor spiders just yeah. hanging out and waiting. And we did find some sign around them doors. And that's a, there's a little flat on the outside, and there's a steep cliff. And we took some some film of that. Like, man, this is where, you know, like Greg said, there was a point going down the mountain. He could lay here, come up on his flat, check his, check the door where the ladies come out <laughs> yeah. of the bar at night. Boom, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he sits there at 2 a.m., waits for him that's to come right. out of the he, yeah. You know, he's like the cop just waiting, <laughs> yeah, the waiting in the parking lot. <laughs> and, but how, how cool was that, though? Like, so on the edge, even if that fence wasn't there, that edge that it created from where it dropped off to basically a straight cliff of mountain laurel and just thick nasty steep terrain there was a bench there that was full of what white oaks some red oaks black black oaks chestnut oaks i mean a lot of good food and then it was a clear cut so it's terrain changes and it was only what 80 yards wide maybe even less at some point 
So that's a funnel that was going across it. And it, you know, immediately the three of us, even though we have different scouting techniques, were like, this is a spot yeah. that. When we all decided, <laughs> we walked from where we camped out to the point, walked that whole ridge from the south to the north was over a mile and a half. And we figured between the three of us, if we had a half a dozen cameras here in October, September, we could have inventory on the animals that live there. So, like I said before, if you can get out this time of year, we're just spent, we spent six hours in there and, you know, we'll get maybe in October, get half a dozen cameras. And we all kind of, even though we scout and think differently, we all said, if we put a camera here, 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 and everyone's like, yep, 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 yep. And it's like, we'll, we'll know what's here. Let them soak for three weeks and come back. And, you know, then maybe we'll set up camp again in November and October and uh hunt that you know but it is a big thing to get the boots on the ground you know and this is the time and then yeah definitely again in october before i mean and, and we were talking when we were in the woods we didn't see a lot of like monster rubs that oh man there's a this is 150 it's 160 rubbiness because there are times that 150 160 inch deer live and they don't make them big rubs every individual deer is differently so you know We've seen some decent, in my opinion, there's a hundred, there's 150 inch running. Yeah. How many? Maybe there's four or three or two, maybe there's some hundred thirties, but as the status of how many mature deer are there, what is there, you, you can't really tell. We've seen a lot of doe tracks with the snow. Bo said he caught a one good one, you know, so, and this time of year, the, they might be further. They're just all, but, but we're scouting for November. But, um, yeah, October, November, I mean, like, yeah, for the most part, I mean, you know, Greg's more into hunting October. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning stuff from him on that. On like the beds. I'm like, that's why I asked in the one video we took, I said, how would you set up, you know, we found a signpost rub and so signpost rubs a rub that deer or multiple deer will use every year. If I'm explaining that right. So you'll see it like the tree will start to split apart from the old rub and they'll just keep freshening it up. And how how big in diameter do you think that pine tree was? 12 inches. Yeah. 10, 12. Yeah. Yeah, It was a big, we had a mate before me and Greg, we got away from Bo there and we just had a major discussion on him signpost rubs and what we've learned over the years. And you know, it's, it's not like, you know, that's it. Hey, there's a signpost rub hunt here, you know, but, uh, it's just, and we talked, man, every deer is different. Like Greg had instances where he, he hunted them signpost rubs, had cameras on them. And, you know, he pulls his card and it's like, man, I can't wait to see all the deer hitting this pound. And this, and he had one deer for in October and he never come back again. Yeah. It just sends your mind in like, isn't this supposed to be leaving scent here and this and that? And you, you, you'll never start, start learning or you'll never learn enough. I mean, right, Greg? I mean, yeah. it was like, I mean, it was October 6th mm-hmm. and it's a big tall rub. I think it was going to be, like I said, that camera has sat from September till, uh, I mean, I think January, January I pulled it said. and, uh, so many pictures. I'm like, man, it's going to be, you know, two, a rub one deer, October 6th. Yeah, and he wasn't he even that big. It. He just tore. He hit it for like thirty minutes, and he just tore that tree up, top to bottom. And then every doe that came through that for the next month or so smelled it. Little bucks might have rubbed their antler, antlers on it, but that was it. It was no mega giant. It was no whopper. It had the height. It had the diameter, but it was just this little buck. <laughs> that's <laughs> it was not, like that's huh? depressing. You know, it's like uh, you know, two years of my life. You know, countless, countless hours for nothing. Yeah, no, that's. 
That's what you don't. I mean, I mean, that's where trail cameras come in. Like, I'm just getting into the trail camera world. I don't. I rarely use them, but this year I kind of ramped it up a little bit. Uh, and those instances do help because time is you know limited. You know, where uh, as you get older, you know, Bo won't know nothing Bo about don't this know. Yet. Yeah, yeah, I don't young, know what you know. time is actually. Yeah, <laughs> as you get older, your own family time and, and work, you get yeah. less and less. So you want your time, you want to put the, the maximum value in the time you spend in the woods. And that's where trail cameras have been helping, you know, both Johnny and I, and I'm sure Bo, yeah. to make sure you're in there when you need to be. And sometimes that camera's got to sit for a year or two to get yeah. that intel, you know, and then you, you kind of use that intel. I tell people all the time, when I go into a new area, new area I give myself three years to kill it. You're deal. right. Three. You're right. You know, uh, a lot of guys want to do it right away. It, there's just too many variables. Here, you got too, thousands yep. upon thousands of unbroken mountain terrain. You're not going to figure it out no. first time. If you do, it's 90% luck, 10% skill. Yeah. <laughs> and you could rely on the topography and the wind and that. You would. But these deer inhibit this area in in their own way. And then I've even seen deer, bucks, mature deer inhibit an area. They die uh, and another buck moves in and you see how he puts a twist yep. on that so he might bed here and still check him but it, they just kind of it's all and then you don't know that till like greg said you put a couple years in in a spot and like like an observation stand you get in and you think in your head how it's going just from your experience and then sometimes that ain't it and that's why i always say when i get out there and i like um find a spot i want to hunt i thoroughly scout as much as i can because most of these places like we discussed greg even said that we're hunting public land these deer grow up ain't that right knowing only public land pressure you know what i mean so it's like um it's normal to them it's normal to them they know how to get away from humans you know even at a young age six yeah. you know these little button bucks are crafty because they got you know their their mom's got a few seasons she's teaching them the ropes you know and, that, and if a, a button buck has a, a an alpha doe you know she's mm-hmm. her as her mother he's ahead of the learning curve some, as some other bucks when he takes that you know that leap of one and a half year old the mom kicks him away he's smarter than most one and a half year olds and that's the guy that's probably going to make it you know yeah that, you're right and that, you that, know. that goes a long way in his life you yep. know and you know, it's just year after year, these deer, they're just getting smarter. And the more pressure they put, the smarter they yep. still get away. Well, it's uh, the predator prey. Like, it, they're, they're constantly evolving. Like, uh, if you're doing what you did a year or two ago, you're already behind the eight ball. You know, right. that, that Those deer have already caught on, and they've made adjustments. Uh-huh. And if you're walking the same trail, hunting the same tree, going in the same time, same year, that deer's got you. Or any deer that's been around is like... I mean, that's, you know, those does you hunt in a certain woodlot and that doe knows when you're in that woodlot and everything's in your advantage. And she still knows something's not right mm-hmm. because she's been around you. She's got numerous hunting seasons and yeah. she's teaching those, you know, her kids, kids, kids. And you're just like, my goodness, <laughs> it's just, you know, uh, and that's the truth. They're just so, and they never cease to amaze me. It's like, oh, and it just keeps going and going. But, and like eSports, like like greg's going back to the three years and that's the truth you think you know i know i'm gonna hunt here and that's why i said i i thoroughly scout as much as i can because of the scout and don't put pressure on them because they're already uh, adapted to pressure yep. so you just kind of 
you know, use other hunters to your advantage. And and except, like, you look at the, well, we were all looking at the onyx, and some hillside was, was bare. We I didn't expect to find any deer sign on that. I expected to find all the deer sign in the laurels, which I did mm-hmm. find, you know, some good rubs. But all the beds were in the open timber. The does were bedded on the leeward, leeward side, side of the side, thing, out just of the, yeah. right out in the open. Yep. Like, just found a little you know, high spot, and boom, they were bedded. And I I thought that was amazing because yeah. there was just no cover, just open. But And we were and me and Bo were on the ridge, walking the ridge. Greg was down, and we kind of normal mentality of a rifle hunter or a deer hunter walking that ridge, and you got a steep slope down there, and you just kind of peek, ah, I ain't going down there. And Greg was down there, and me and Bo even said to each other, and we're, we're go-getters, I bet, you know, I bet there's a trail about 100, you know, just out of sight, the top two-thirds of the mountain. You want to go out there? Ah, let's yeah. keep walking the ridge. Yeah. And, then, and that's when Greg come up yeah. and sweating his ass <laughs> off. Don't worry. <laughs> we let it yeah. do work. And, you know, it's, it's so like... When we were looking at this train, and it's funny, like you said, that it's hard until you get the boots on the ground to really know. Like, we picked out those saddles that came up, and those ended up being the two best spots Mm -hmm. from in the point. But until you get in there and can actually see, then that's where you really fine-tune it. That's where you pick, all right, here's where I might set up. But to Greg's point about taking, say, three years to figure out an area— you are going to mess it up as far as you're going to go and sit in a tree and realize you should have been in that tree. Yeah, and your entry and exits in the mountains, that's that's critical because, you know, deer can pretty much bed wherever they want. They they have a general bedding location, does or bucks, but, you know, they might just bed on this cart road because cause they're lazy or it got daylight and they're like, oh, shit, I got to bed down before I don't get shot, you know. and So you might bump that deer going in or going out and then that just up your whole trip it's like (laughs) i swear they have a communicate and i know they do but it's like i like you 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 bump one and somehow the word gets through the community i don't know how it does but it's like this dude's coming in from there's a horse yeah something's (laughs) happening and it's body language you see how one acts all weirded out and geeked out it's like and he's like like if you bump a deer like if you're in a tree stand you ever seen them ones and you bump her and she got her tail and she's walking weird and she starts walking toward the other one it's like Hey, motherfucker, there's some yeah. dude up in that yeah. tree, and they don't say anything, but it's like, <laughs> like they all know, like, what? You didn't, you know, you didn't talk. She's to walking me. with the limp. <laughs> yeah, something's <laughs> happening. Yeah, I mean, that that is true, because you'll see some does that they get a little spooky around you, and they'll go to other, like, feeding does, and those does... They can see it. It's almost, you know, like body language, like eye contact. Yeah. Like they get like the fear of death in their eyes. Yes. But all the other yeah. those like, wait, what's going on over there? Wait, what? What? And all right. Was, and yeah. we're just going to run away. And like, you're like, why? Why are they running? Why are they yeah. all running? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then another thing, like uh, Greg said about them deer bedding in the open down over that hill. It's another point is we were talking, we were about 1.2, 1 to 3 miles from a road. So that's another reason why. They weren't too worried about cover. You know, they were down over the hill. Maybe the guys were on the ridge if they do go back that far, but you can't see them down. Like he said, about 100 yards down, and here at the top looking down, you don't see them little bumps where they were laying. Especially and when you running. got foliage on, like during, you know, when there's any type of leaves, you can't see those where those does are bedded. You know, you would need, you would need like a spot and scope, and you would literally have to sit there and pick them out. You know, spend time, yeah. you know actually scouting that little hillside which nobody's really very few people will do actually yeah you're right and and i mean we're all optimistic i could tell realistic but all optimistic hunters and friends and um we uh even though there's snow for this weekend that we planned and we were like should we go like yeah fuck um 
use the snow to your use what you got to your advantage snow let's find tracks let's find beds like great come up there's doe beds all around there running at elevation and Bam. also too out on a point you know come what up mean? in november there might be snow and these deer might be bedding in certain spots from that when you yeah. get heavy snow so this is what they they bet out this the is open what they're to doing when the, the snow the, the site yeah. because maybe they get hunters going those thick mountain laurels so maybe those does are bedding in, in that open, open spots yeah. because yep. they're safe because it's during the snow nobody's going to you know be on that you know on that hillside they're gonna be over in that laurel and those doves are like yep i see you and i kept i kept looking more for cover hemlocks and this is me and bow hunt areas about an hour from here and the terrain habitat is john don't be giving out any how far things are from things people start figuring out where we're at you know it's big (laughs) i know i'm just i know (laughs) but anyways it's like i'm like bow this is and i started initially looking for that cover bedding cover and then and like Greg said, hey, leeward side, boom, there they are, right on that little bench, little bumps laying there, wide, nope. Okay, so they don't need, they adapt, they're so adaptive, like we talked about food, like the ground's covered with ice, and they're eating buds, they're going to find, like, in different areas all over the country, they adapt to the food source they have, and they live off of, they're so, you know. Yeah, mountain man, deer are just, they're just chiseled animals, you know, they would literally eat, well, like driving in that 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 oak that fell down they were eating the bark off that rotten oak limb yeah. that fell down like the bark the mossy yeah. bark that's what they were eating yeah. all there were so many tracks around that that branch and i was uh-huh. like deer literally i tell people all the time deer were literally eat sticks to survive and, and that's what here it is they were eating sticks to damn near stick eaters well yeah, yeah how about what we found that tree eaters. that fell down yeah we took a video of that tree yeah, yeah there was a tree that fell down because they can't dig into the ground right now Every end of those branches was nipped Up off. Up to probably quarter to three eighths inch, they were gnawing on that yep. shit. Yep. Yeah, they were they were just eating the sticks, and yeah, like you said, these deer are so adaptive because they have to to survive. And then we did find because John was talking about like in areas in Ohio and other places that when there's no acorns, you're shit out of luck because it's all just brown leaves, you know, under the ground. Where in Pennsylvania, we do have great other food sources we have mosses under the ground we have ferns even when it's frozen or or snow if they can dig down they'll eat that shit you know it's yeah still there. yeah there's green there's green yeah. shit yeah. out there ferns and but it's weird you Briar go bushes you go to the other place in the countries that there are ferns iowa i've seen ferns ohio they don't eat ferns they don't need it's to. weird they, you're right they don't need to but even ohio it's like but here i mean they live off of ferns and roots and stuff and it's just like but then there's an area i hunt in PA, in this in the big you know national forest, that it's acorns, uh, spotty oaks, and uh, for eight years I check these couple spotty oak places, no acorns, and then all of a sudden two years ago, boom, they were falling, and they were deer sign in there like you wouldn't believe because a mag they were in there like a magnet, and then late season I had cameras. Um, January from December, I ran them all the way till end of muzzleloader shed hunting season in them oaks. And the deer are so used to eating browse that I thought shed season I was going to go to them oak pockets. And there were still acorns. You see them in the spring because the root, they're starting to root. They're still meat them. It's not like a rotten acorn. I went in there shed hunting and I hunted all them acorn patches that for eight years hadn't been acorns. And only thing was in there was small shit from fawns and does yeah. there wasn't one shed the bucks there wasn't them those weren't even 
them bucks were so adapted to eating browse in the winter. That's all they know. That's what their stomachs handled. That they didn't even winter time. They didn't even eat. The, I swear to God, they didn't eat acorns. I was blown away. I didn't even know what they were. They yeah. didn't know what. They, but I had these my cam- things tripping over. I them. had my camera from December fifteenth all the way to the end of January, or, or when I went shed hunting February March. I had, I had a half a dozen deer from one fifteen to one fifty, you know, in that area plus a bunch of spikes force. I had. I had 15 bucks in there, and I think late season, I think they were actually, this goes back to late season hunting, I think they were in there because the does um, were maybe hitting them acorns, and they were coming, still looking for a hot doe, but then come shed season, they're out, they're eating, brow, they're browsing, they didn't eat, they stay there through the spring and eat the acorns that were left, and I was just so blown away, that just says to me, like, they can. They don't have to eat acorns. They're so adapted to living and eating the browse, the twigs, the little bit of green stuff. Where other places, they're gonna they're gonna pound them acorns, and they're just they're just such an adaptive animal. They can, you know, it's just it's just mind mind blowing. We're all yeah. just like and and like, blown you, away. like and that's what's so tough about hunting these type areas too is depending on okay, so an area like this that does have oaks and they are used to acorns. Well, you get a year without acorns, they're changing everything up. Or if you get a, a year with a ton of acorns, that changes everything. And you have to adapt as a hunter. And so, like, I, I'm a huge believer in, you know, spring scouting. That's, like, my favorite time to, you know, figure out an area. But, again, coming back to the fine-tuning, you've got to walk around in the fall. You know I mean? Yeah. there's You do risk, you know, blowing deer out or whatever, but it, it comes down to you got to know what's happening now what's and and be able to set up on that and be mobile i've i've been it. so guilty of being so you know spring scouting and got my trees picked out and i'm going in the dark leaving especially during the rut and i think that's why i struggle like during the rut anywhere because i'm like all right this doe bedding area i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt here and those does might be bedded you know 100 yards away and i'm going hunting this tree you know dark to dark and i i'd be better off like you said little in season scouting be a little more like all right i'll I'll take a a, a day or i get down a day day and and, and make the walk and and take that risk and 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 if you're hunting the pressured areas they're already whether you go and do it they're the other guys are doing it or you know they're on to you and yeah they live with hunters and they see you you, sometimes you find uh you know a new sign fresh sign like i i've done that with you know other hunters like i've been in a tree and had hunters come in i get down i know they're going to wind bump an area and i'll try and like backdoor an area and actually found in the process find a better spot that actually pays off you know a a better return investment because i use that person and i end up finding uh, like a a better spot that i never knew existed after you know two years of hunting and scouting that place and like in season you stumble upon it's like stepping into shit you're like it's fucking amazing yeah, How come I walk, but like I never would have thought deer would be in this little pocket, and it's just you know deer like climbing the trees, you know, like it's some of the most you know. Yeah, you tell us about that, Greg. When you uh, f- killed that one, and you found it's right, it's like they're bedding. Yeah, unorthodox. Yeah, that, not cover, not this, but it's probably because of the pressure. Yeah, like that buck I shot uh, this year up in the gap. They so much bear sign up top where they normally bed. It pushed down onto this flat. That's you can see the road. It's open. The wind's really not in their favor. I shot my buck out of his bed. The next day I went back. I was actually going to put a camera on that flat. And there was a buck, a smaller buck, literally laying in the same bed. I shot my buck the day before. And I was all in that area, blew that area out and sent. And that little deer didn't even care. But it's right by the road. Nobody ever, everybody probably walks by. Everybody goes up, you know, 
hunts the top of the ridge, got to get to the ridge before dark. These deer are literally sleeping right next to the road. Yeah. They see everything coming and going. Yep. Nobody bothers them. And it's such a weird place that they actually lose some of that, you know, the, the scent advantage and, and the thermal advantage and even, you know, eye advantage. Because I was telling Johnny, I can climb up this rock face, you know, this little rock slide, and they can't see me, hear me, or smell me. And I'm 40 yards from where these deer are bedded. You know, I could probably, you know, kill a handful of deer out of that little flat, you know, as long as they're bedding there. And they have no pressure. Yeah. You know, so I, I know. And, it, and it doesn't meet the normal yeah. cover, uh, wind, you know, it's just. Yeah, and the deer I shot was two and a half, so he wasn't it, you know. Yeah, he knew what was deer. going on yet, you and know. And that area gets you know, hammered. You know, because PA's right there. You know, water, Delaware Water Gap, Jersey. You got PA, they fuck, they hammer it. Jersey hammer it. You get even people from New York hammer it. So these deer are, you know, they've been around the block, you know, at two and a half. He's had to deal with some shit. Yeah. And for him to be bedding there, it's like, I don't even believe that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and so that that's another good point. And all three of us, I know, can be guilty at times of you study these deer so much and you, you think you know, you know somewhat of what they're doing. And you have this plan, like, okay, you're overthinking. All right, the thermals are doing this or this is doing that. Sometimes you just got to be like, what are they actually doing right now? If it doesn't make sense, who cares? Yep. Just, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, obviously – going into a plan you it's it's best to think of all the options and and try to figure out what's going to work in their favor but sometimes you know it, it just comes down to well let's see there's that, you know, all those doe beds i found just way out in the you know i mean there was thick cover no beds soon got into wide open space beds everywhere trails everywhere it got a little bit thick cover nothing they, they were literally bedding wide you know wide open it was like I would have thought they'd be, you know, yeah, holding tight to the cover or bedding near that edge. Nope. No care in the world. So, and, and like, when we started scouting today, when, and Greg, you split off kind of at first, and Johnny and I stayed together. And guys we started making seeing, out. What's that? Hands. Guys were making out, holding hands. He yeah. tried holding my hand, but I was like, well, I got deer to scout. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we were, we came in and we looked at this area and we're like, Man, this I is, can't blame him. Holy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Holy> cow! <laughs> we we look and we're like, "Are you kidding me? These clear cuts are fenced." Yeah, they, yeah, and that does in a lot of Pennsylvania. Oh, I said the f bomb like twenty times. I'm yeah, like, we're like we we were talking about even you know checking out different areas. What we're gonna do tomorrow? Like we were getting we were getting down. Like you said, getting a plan by Onyx or whatever, which is great. But it's like once you get out there, you're like. Oh, you know, but kind of let the we we kept walking and just kept trying to figure out. All right, how are they using this? Because deer aren't just not living here because of these fences or whatever. And we end up finding how to use those fences. And and again, this is without hunting it yet. But I think you could use them to your advantage. And whether these draws would come up, the the mountain is usually where the fences would stop. And there was we jumped four doe in the one draw that mm-hmm. we had marked on Onyx, and then on the next draw, there was two uh, whether you know year and a half year old bucks that lost their antlers already. We saw coming; they, they were actually inside the fence. They were in the fence, yeah. And um, and then we were, and then we found some you know thick mountain laurel and different stuff on the other side than where Greg was from. And as we started realizing okay we have a situation that isn't ideal but how do we use that you know to our favor or how did a deer use yeah. that and even, also that, that even just better. comes with experience where you it, 
like I, I tell people all the time, you can't get frustrated. You can't react. You got to respond to it. You know, it was a blowdown or, or, or you know, something you didn't see, you know, on a map. You can't get upset that said item's not there or missing or, or bigger. Like you got to respond yeah, like a deer would. Deer's, deer's not going to see this fence or putting up a new fence and get all angry at it. They're going to look at it and be like, all right. Okay. All right. They're not going to be like, shit, I'm going to jump off this rock yeah, Exactly. Now. Yeah, I'm going to move. <laughs> I'm going to pick up and move two miles. No, they're yeah. going to live with... They're going to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, and so like I, uh, when we were getting ready to scout here, you know, all week we're like, you got to be kidding me. We're getting more snow. Like this sucks. And I had a, a guy message me on Instagram be like, postpone he wrote, you yeah. wrote back. And I was like, and my response to that, and I understand, you know, what are you saying? But I was like, you can't just quit something you you have a certain amount of time yeah. and you got to figure it out and so like all right so how can i use the snow to my advantage yes i can't see scrapes which i love scrapes but we ended up finding scrapes yep. today by just seeing the licking branches yep. on a scrapey tree yeah as i call <laughs> there's certain trees i look at i'm like there's there's got to be a scrape under that yeah i found Most, that one today you know i just noticed from the licking branch like hanging down yeah you know snow cover but it's a little flat spot under a hemlock or like that branch is off low hanging, yeah. and yep, sure there enough, you go. You know? yeah, and that's and but anyways, it just all comes down to you know whatever you're dealt with, you got to adapt with it, and to be successful in the mountains or the big woods type terrain, you have to be open minded and not get down on yourself because like we were saying earlier, you know I I had some people getting you know mad about me kind of bringing out this whole you know mountain buck hunting oh you're gonna bring people into pennsylvania you're gonna do this and obviously i don't reach like you know a million people or anything but still the the fact your ten, that your 10 readers my my 10, my ten <laughs> listeners guys i love you thanks for listening but uh like it this is super tough like and and us three here we're, we're not you know the best hunters in the world and you know none of us claim to be i mean G- greg and johnny their heads are so freaking big luckily it's open here but it you still even you know with us we'll go out and we'll go five days you know or at least i let me speak for myself i'll go five days without five seeing days. A deer i've gone time i've gone three years of not seeing a deer in the mountain Driving up, right? you know, hunting believe, long, yeah. three, four days at a clip. Yeah. You know, granted, the deer density in Jersey is you know, some, sometimes really terrible, but you know, if you're not really willing to put in that work, like don't expect that reward. Like there's yeah. going to be more downtime than uptime. You yeah. know, and and it kind of goes back to me and Greg got to talking about how you were brought up and like yep. what you respect and yep. you earn things in life to where you worked hard for what you have or where you are and it goes just rolls into deer hunting it's to where you got to work hard and then when you're rewarded with a kill i haven't killed a deer with my bow in probably two or three years but when you get them and you work to put all that time all that scout and all that money and all that cameras and all that time it's you're rewarded with that kill and it's just so much better yeah. than getting one every year or, or, or maybe going to an outfitter. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. People are limited on time and they want to kill. But but when you work hard for it, when you're brought up that way, and it's just that much it's, better, it's, uh, Greg. I mean, the, the mountains will just humble you in so many ways. Like, I enjoy it because, like, I'm a flatlander, South Jersey. So for me to go to the mountains, i got to drive three hours. You know, and I'll drive three hours, scout. Like, back in the day, I would had one day off, so I'd get off a work at midnight i'd get like three hours sleep i'd drive to the mountains scout all day and drive home so i could be yep. back to work monday yeah you know and i would take day trips to the mountain me and my buddy you know rick we'd drive up and just hunt for a day 
we'd leave my house at one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> get like two hours of sleep, yeah. you know, drive there so we could hunt, you know, that experience because time's limited and you got to make do with what, yeah, we can complain like, oh, we got time, this, you, you make the time, you know? And, yeah, if it's a priority in your life and, and not, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah, 99% of the time, those trips were terrible. We didn't see nothing, sleep deprivation, almost crashing the car. You know, but <laughs> other times when you te- when you kill deer on those days, you're like, oh man, it's the yeah. greatest feeling in the world. Like yep. I literally come up for one day and you know, smoked a giant. Now we're like, dragging this monster buck, you know, three hours out of the woods. You know, like that's stories that can't be written. You know, you're right? Yeah, you got to live them. Yeah, I mean, this year, like, and I've talked about it before on here, but I, you know, I went. I and and we talked about it earlier. You know how Greg, you were saying how you used to take like you know a ton of detailed notes of everything, log every single thing you found, how many you know miles you walked, this and that, the direction you're pointing your tree stands, all that stuff. And then you kind of you know you start getting some success, and you start slipping on some of those things. And that's the way I felt this past year. I got so focused on trying to kill an elk in western hunting, I was like, I got this whitetail thing yeah. down, and and you know this is, you know. Yeah, they humble you. You're like, I'm like, you know, I got, I got this somewhat figured out. I've, you know, I've, I've killed a buck the last, you know, six, seven years. I'm, I, I, I think I'm okay. I can figure it out. And then I struggled like to the point that I've never struggled before this year. And I'm like, you know what? Every year you gotta put in the work. You gotta be focused. And just because you put in the work, like Greg said, doesn't mean you're, you're, you're entitled to a deer i was telling no. greg i said i had three bucks in 2018 or 2017 150 to 170 and i i knew these deer i knew where they lived i couldn't wait till this 2018 season because i had three they were going to be from 160 to 180 and i was just licking my chops thinking i'm going to walk in there and poke one of these deer i didn't get one of them on. and i know they made it through late season i know they're alive and I I struggled to even get a picture of one on my camera, and it's just like you're just like you kind of want to cry, yeah. All the time. That, and, but you that, don't if you're you don't give up. Yeah, they hit that five year mark. They just uh, you know they become you know two and a half, three and a half. They're a special creature, and they get four or five or six. It's like why are you animal. the way that you are? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's like my, my boy, my boy Hercules. You know that buck. Uh, I hunted him. And for I kept three telling years. Bo, he knew the most about the deer, and I just said, "I don't." You know the most about him, but he's at that age, seven, eight, nine, and yep. he's doing things perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally I have, even during I the went, rut, those deer were yep. everything perfect. I went three years of hunting that deer. The first year, he was about one hundred sixty, and I I wounded him. I I well, I mean, I just took Great. the hair off. I grazed him and just misjudged the yardage right under his armpit and just sliced it. And you know, I was. I became completely obsessed over that deer. I hunted him the next year from actually, I must've heard him a little bit more. I cut him cause his next his opposite side shrunk. He lost the point and it just turned into a big club. And then the next year he blew up into 170 some inch deer. And this is a public land, you know, mountain deer. And he, and then this last year he just disappeared on me. And I'm like, you would know if someone shot him, I spent so much time in here. You would think, I mean, I could miss him if he died, you know, finding his deadhead, but I didn't find it. And, and, you know, he could still be alive and these deer just, they're so amazing. They don't do what you want them to do all the time. And you, you gotta, you know, as much time as, you know, I put in or think I put in it, 
it doesn't mean you're going to be successful with yeah, it. Yeah, and it's it's the not knowing that drives you because you want to know know more and more and more. And like Bo said about that deer, I know the same thing about the deer that I've hunted in the past. I think he made it. I didn't hear anybody about in the area shooting him. Did he die of old age? It's just you keep yearning to learn more. You'll never you'll never know, and that's what makes you want to know. You don't know, but See, that's uh, where I all the deer I've killed, I've never seen before except the time i killed them never i've never got a deer on camera i've ever shot I, uh, i've never found a shed of a deer i've killed it's always been i see him i kill him mm-hmm. hey, like yeah. in, in the mountains like every buck i've seen in the mountains you know this is the first year i ran cameras in the mountains and i'm curious to see what's there but at the same time i'm kind of bummed because i actually know what's there and it kind of takes that excitement out it like, does, I love, yeah. i'd love to not knowing like what am I? Cause I, what yo? What monster can I see today? Uh, and that's what I love about the mountains because there's so much terrain. You know, you could you would need a thousand cameras just to cover that one ridge we were on just to know exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I like I personally like the not knowing aspect. The not of, knowing aspect of the and mountain I, hunting. I, that's why I was telling Greg about the deer I got this year in PI. So I was tracking one, and in the snow, I just learned so much from. And he walked. And as I tracked him, I said, and in my head, I'm like, I see his tracks going that way. And there was like maybe a blow down and it was like fun on and a little bench. I said, that's where I'd put a camera. And he went down a steep little hill and over this log. And I'm like, what? He ain't, sp-. this was like a nice spot for a deer to walk. And you <laughs> would put it. So it's like, it's like. A juggling what, act is do you rely on a cameras or do you just ry, rely on your knowledge and anticipate what's there? Because just because you got a camera in that nice spot where you think a deer's walked, you might miss them, you know. But yeah, yeah. that that antip, <clears throat> anticipation is well, also that's, great. I, I, fi- I find with mountain whitetails or even just whitetails in general, but any any type of big woods, be it flat ground or mountainous, the the odds of you actually arrowing a deer or shooting or especially arrowing because your your range is limited, like you you're literally picking a spot on the mat that you hope that that deer is going to cross that day. It's not like out west you're you spot and stalk mule deer or elk like they're very vocal. Like these mountain deer, you don't see them until you're like they're in range, and like yeah. you're trying to figure that spot with so many places they could be. Like it's the ultimate chess match, you know. And it's like you lose ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Or <laughs> and then like, another thing with that chess match is. You're playing chess, and you you're you're in your tree, and you think you're in the right spot, but maybe the wind comes across the back of your neck and heads out that way, and you're like, "Did I fuck my spot up? Was he out there? <laughs> yeah, you know, for that second. So you got to really be optimistic, but realistic. You know, and you can't just keep sitting like a lot of people sit in the same spot, same spot, which might work. A transient deer might come through and you might bang them. But it's like you got to really – it is a chess match. You're always thinking when you're in a tree or scouting. You're like your mind never stops. You're like, okay, the wind come across my neck. It's going that way. I know where it's bedding. Man, I fucked it up. Did I fuck it up? Did I not fuck it up? Is he over there? You just like – so there's all these variables like Greg said. You don't know. And it's yeah. just – you just keep and, and the, going though. You know, this year I came in with the mindset, you know – Actually, it was partway through the summer and stuff, and then in the beginning of the fall, when I realized that I wasn't getting Hercules on camera and there was a possibility that he was dead, I almost had a sense of relief because I— Because you I, could stop. You closure. Know? I, could, yeah. I could be like, you know what? 
I want, I just want to hunt a deer. Like I want to hunt, you know, uh, I want to hunt a you know, mature deer, or, you know, or whatever deer gives me the show that I want to hunt, you know, what well, yep. gives me the experience, I guess is the better way of yep. putting it that I want and not worrying about a specific deer. And man, was that fun to be it's, able to you can kind of enjoy I bounced around areas that I've never bounced around before and just kept just trying different things and you know 99.9% of the time it didn't work out but it was fun to do that and then when I ended up killing one with a rifle like I hadn't killed a deer with a rifle and I can't tell you how long and that was so rewarding like I was so pumped up about killing that deer and it wasn't nearly the you know the biggest deer I've ever killed or anything like that it was just so much fun to be able to do that and and this goes back to the whole idea of hunting this type of you know area takes a certain person that really loves that drive in and and being unsuccessful to be successful yeah, yeah, to push yourself and to keep pushing yourself and that that's why you know again circling back around to the reason why i don't care to put this out there in front of people if you, the people that do come up and you know put the time in and become successful with it that that makes me happy and be like you know like that person, you know, got the enjoyment that, that I'm getting out of this and, and getting to do that. And if you want to put in the work for it, you know, all means come up and do it. Yeah. And there are, whether you come up and do it, anybody hears you, Hey, let's go up there. It don't matter. There's hunting pressure there. And the deer, like we just said before, they're adapted to that and they know all the tricks, all the places that, you know, so you, you do think outside the box, but it's not like they live with humans you know they know how to live with humans they survive and they yes. adapt you except know? You, you're saying when you're younger you, sh- you sh- hunted those urban deer and those deer are so used to humans in the backyards eating mm-hmm. the leaves eating the bushes you know they got the the, the people on time stamp these mountain deer know when rifle season is that first truck that just pulls back here you know probably two weeks for the seasons when most yep. people are probably coming out that flips the switch for them like all right now it's go time survival mode you're exactly right and i i probably started hunting up here pretty serious about seven eight years ago when there were some bigger deer up in you know the national forest and i had them on camera running cameras bow hunted caught glimpse of them didn't you? i said well, i'm gonna rifle one it's no problem i'll get a gun in my hand i'll go bust one of them no problem yeah right it took me about four or five years of hunting i'd get a crack of one here and there on a run track one or something but it's like the deer that i knew lived there it is just like they vanish you know, so it's like people, like Bo said, you want to come up and hunt? Go ahead. Yep. It ain't no walk in a park. They're not behind every tree because, like I said, at rifle season, and I, I know where the deer are hit. I know where they bedded, and I hit all these spots. I'm like, where the fuck are they? I just think they go to this unknown well, like spot. Well, and like Greg the, said, the yeah. random bedding. Like, why are you bedded there? But that's where nobody goes. That's and why where no bedded. one yeah. goes. Yeah. And, and you know, and... When we're throwing out numbers, like just for reference, you know, saying a deer 170 inch, whatever, that's no freaking joke. Like, and, and, you know, a lot of people, I hear it all the time now, you know, people come, oh man, I passed on, you know, 130, you know, 140, unless you're Johnny, then I, uh, yeah. if you're Johnny, then I believe it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but most, you know, people say that and don't really know what that kind of caliber deer is like. And they are living in here, but they are definitely few and far between. You know what I yeah, mean? Like this, you're right. this is, you know, we're putting in a, a freaking lot of time to even locate a deer. When I say locate, I mean, get a, a trail camera picture. We're not really locating them. Yeah. We're, we, we have an <laughs> no, idea they're within this area. Yeah, exists is a better way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, and let's say. But, 
you know, you, you come up here, it's, or wherever it may be. I mean, there's similar training, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, I well, mean, all killed. through the Appalachian range here. I mean, even Western, you see like Western Massachusetts is big forest mountains mm-hmm. and they've been killing some absolute beast out there and it's remote as fuck. You know, like some of these guys in Massachusetts are doing what, you know, what we're doing right now. They're out there in the, you know, the big woods, you know, the little mountainous country they got and they're just putting in time and killing some really solid deer that you would never think come from fucking Western Massachusetts. You're like, I came from Massachusetts. Well, deer are browsers by nature, not, you know, and they're made to live off this shit. And And genetics, you know, like some places have better genetics than others. Yeah. And mountain deer, the the plus the mountain deer, they have age on their side. They can get old, which is, you know, a deer with decent genetics in the mountains, you're going to see something at two and a half. And that's what we said, Greg. We were talking about kind of Iowa to Midwest. I said, we said, agreed that the deer, and there's nothing wrong with it. People let them grow. They manage them. And they get a way to get big. But if you get a deer here that's 150, 160 he didn't get big because someone let him get big. Yeah. <laughs> He's smart. You know, he that's where your challenge because, comes yeah. in. That's, oh. a, that's a pretty good, you know, uh, say, uh, line there, Johnny. You know, he didn't get that big because you know, somebody let him get that big. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and the other crazy thing is. Like, they didn't name him and say, yeah, he'll be good in two years. Yeah. Yeah, that don't happen. You know, and, and with with that being said, if they don't have the genetics, there's deer that you can kill here that are six and a half years old that are 120 inches. Like some deer just don't have that. Got yeah, one. you're right. Yeah, there's some mature. I got one. Yeah, six yeah. and a half. More, yeah. Six and a half year old deer was 117 inches. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, Super I, wide, not re- not really spindly, big body. Had shitty acorns for two years when I killed him. So it was like six and a half year old deer, 117, and yeah, I was still enjoying. So I, genetics, I, and then like Greg just said, food. If they ain't got the food for two years, what are they eating? Yep. You know, their their rack's going to shrink, adapt to... Yeah, because the know. body comes first. You know, that deer I killed at six and a half, he was big. I mean, short, stev- heavy, you know, just big body and just, you know, wide rack. The frame was there. Just, you know, racks take a back seat to, you know, body when they're growing. Yeah, health first. Well, yeah, the, the, the deer I killed in 2017 it, up here in Pennsylvania, it was, it was the biggest body deer I'd ever what, seen. What, that double drop time one time? No, 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 no. <laughs> no oh, triple, triple drop time. Shot in the gut. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, it yeah. was, no, I shot an eight point. That, uh, he, he really had kind of like a spindly, you know, antler. It wasn't super heavy. He's wide, 125 inches what he scored, and he was five and a half years old. This body on him, he went two and a quarter, 225 pounds dressed. You know, it was a giant freaking deer. And, again, that comes down to. Oh, your beer, Johnny. Don't sit. Don't sit. Oh, man, is it on my seat? Yep. Now it's on the ground. ground. I mean, your soda. Sorry. This is a respectable podcast. Yeah. Now Johnny's out of beer. But uh, and the yeah, podcast equipment's on the yeah, cooler. It nice meeting you. Yeah, the podcast equipment's on the cooler, so we can't even get more. Yeah, yeah go back to the, Greg. The sign we seen that sign post, and we had a big discussion about them rubs and yeah. how. And it just comes down to individual deer. Like fifteen years ago, I come up here, and there was still getting to be some good bucks, or just in general. You, you know, when you're young, you see that big rub, 8, 10, 12 inch, big ripped up, and you just put your stand up, and you're like, here he comes, yep. you know, but it's like. Three years like, later, still waiting. Yeah, and he don't come by, you know. It's just like, 
it's weird because sign just because you see that doesn't mean he's going to come there again. And I, I even told Greg my theory that when I started running cameras eight years ago, and not the sign post, but rubs in general, you see a cluster of rubs. Uh, oh man, this my my head. I thought this this deer's coming through here often. This is his travel way, kind of a half-assed rub line. There's a bunch of rubs in this area, and I, and that was my theory. You know, twenty, thirty years old, twenty-five, and I then I started running cameras on rubs like that, and and or maybe a signpost rub, a traditional rub, and and it's like I run it, run it, and it happened more than once over time. A deer never come by there again, not even a doe or nothing, but it was like maybe, and my theory was maybe he come through and like Greg said, yeah, he kind of got his ass whooped. He was trying to get this doe and his attitude changed. He was just kind of frustration. He just rubbed 10 trees right in a row and he's maybe four mountains over and, and he didn't even think about coming back to that spot. It was so he's insignificant. <laughs> and then you see them rubs, you're like... I'm going to, I'm going to put my camera. He's coming through it, but he's already looking at another doe. But you know, then people also write books and articles about rub lines. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's just, what is the theory, you know, on rubs and are rub they lines. something that they re- revisit? Is there rub lines traditional? I mean, you could have be a whole another. And, yeah. And, and some rub lines and I know Greg, you've hunted a lot of rub lines and stuff and focus on them. A lot of times they can be in a core area or leading to a bedroom or whatever it may be, but other times they could just be random as shit, you know? And that's in the mountains, it's tough too because you have so much terrain breaks, it actually interrupts these rub lines. Because I found them in the flat big woods, you know, in Jersey and the Pine Barrens. Like I've tracked them, you know, for a quarter mile, half mile rubs, like every 50, 60 yards, but it's flat, you know, it's pointed, you know. There's nothing interrupting from just going straight here, go straight. Oh, there's a blowdown, there's a hill, there's a you know, there's a ridge. You know, there's so many things getting in the way. So I'm not sold on giant long rub lines in the mountains. They're going to be rub lines near terrain features, top of draws and stuff like that, just because it's a high traffic area. And sooner or later, bucks are going to come through there, you know, and and make some, you know, rub. So all you're saying is I'll have a rub in like where the topo allows him and yeah. deer funnel, but out your way in the flat is just straight boom, yeah. boom, boom, a walk, rub line. You know, they can go a mile without nothing stopping them for, you know, in some of the, like Jersey Pine Barrens, it's just tens of thousands of acres of just some swamp and some you know high ground and he's just using that that's beeline route yeah just, yep yeah rubbing it up but yeah here is a difference like he might come up this ditch cross down in there and you'll find a rub here but it ain't like an actual rub and here you and and when the big woods the food's always constantly changing like farm country it might hold a little more true because all right there's beans and corns in these fields year in year out so you might have a, a consistent travel pattern to and from, you know, that feed or, or you know, in the mountains, it's like, oh, well, this ridge has got the oaks. Next year, that ridge has got the yeah. oaks, you yeah. know, or, oh, there's three oaks, you know. There's so much food around, you might not get a consistent travel pattern. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing with today. We've seen rubs, but you can't, it really don't explain how big the animal is. We, it's not like we've seen monster rubs. We've seen some good ones, in my opinion. There's good deer here, but, you know, that's then... We'd maybe get in here in October. We thought coming back and uh, putting some cameras and taking inventory and see what was here, you know. Right, so we got rub, giant rubs by the camp. Right by camp. We pulled <laughs> in. There's a bunch of rubs right here. Yeah, actually, I think the biggest deer are living right around camp. Yeah. So <laughs> we've already discussed that. Oh, uh, and we put a, yeah, we put a camera. When we took a hike, I put a camera on our little campsite. 
you know, see if anything, anybody come by. <laughs> and there's rubs, like, it's a little old right away we parked on. And I said, you know what, if we come back here in October, I'm going to throw a camera on the same tree. And this right away is rubbed up. I said, so I have like a picture of us sitting by the fire drinking beer. <laughs> and then September, a big old buck coming through and rubbing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then November. Big old, me holding the tree. <laughs> yeah. So to to kind of go back to the whole this whole scouting thing here, if we're if you're coming into like a big woods area here blind uh, blind, and we kind of touch on this sporadically, but let's start with you, Greg. What are you looking for? Like, is from a terrain feature standpoint, what are you looking to check out? And then when you get your boots on the ground, wh- what just, are you paying attention to? Just terrain points um, where I think possible bedding, you know, buck endo and like deep cuts. I love. You know, top of draws. Some people call them draws. Um, so kind of like where the valley would yeah, come up and the yeah. train's steep, and then right where it kind of breaks. Ba- Metaled out, out. Because, I mean, deer will go straight down and up, uh, but they're inherently lazy like us. Like, why make it hard if you don't need to? And uh, saddles, I find a lot of times are blown out with hunting pressure. Deer don't move through saddles, I think, that like they used sense. to, like yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Because most hunters are drawing the saddles because you can look yep. at it, a map and pick it out Point, yep. there's yep. a saddle yep. so i try and find you know terrain features you know that's why i like bed hunting because i can literally look on a map and say all right boom 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 and go check directly those points if nothing there move on to the next like, yeah that's like what me and bo like that saddle on top and 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 greg really liked them doe bedding and that point and so you know like he said his theory of the deer hunters might be true during gun season maybe bow season too if that buck's old and he's skittish and he got bumped in that saddle one time by a gunner he might not go through there you know yeah, if he does it's gonna be high alert yeah it might know, be midnight. Or you're right, and it's hundred so, miles an hour <laughs> yeah so and that's another reason for getting the cameras ut takes his theory we took our theory and let's put but but definitely get a camera and scout that saddle maybe october it is good maybe it's going to cross maybe we should be down over in that open where them does are running elevation or near them beds which you know like greg said he's hunting the beds because of the pressure and he wants to get in close to them deer and catch him with the right wind coming up to feed on him flats and them ridges which makes total sense yeah, sometimes you know. those big boys don't move you know you know at, at night like i mean down in jersey even in the mountains i've i'm a terrible evening hunter i'm a better morning guy so like I like to get into bed super early and try and beat them there. You know, beat them to them flats, then near, you know, just off the bed or something. Catch them going into the bed. And in the mountains, I find like seven, seven thirty is like primo time for me to you know capitalize on a, a buck. He makes that shift into his bed like way after you know daylight. Mm-hmm. Where down in the marsh where I hunt, it's the exact opposite. They're in those beds, you know, two hours for light because you know there's nothing. You know, they just want to get in the cattails and they'll just hang out. Yeah. So, Johnny, would you agree with the way like that Greg's looking at it, or are you throwing any other different things that you're looking for? Well, looking at this area on Onyx, definitely Topo pops out at me, and where Greg, but Topo on the map on Onyx is one thing, and then when you get your boots on the ground, like we looked at Onyx, and on that slope, 100 yards down from the ridge on that hillside, if you look on Onyx, there doesn't show any 
bench or anything, and Greg said there's just a hair of a bench and some bumps, and they're running 100 yards down. So the traditional, like he said, the deep cuts get into a gradual, but then you need the boots on the ground to find where the deer are. Little hidden gem areas. Yeah, and me and Bo like the saddle on top, and Greg, you know, like he just pointed out, maybe they're, you know, a buck might not come up through there. And we didn't see a lot of sign mention it in that saddle. Maybe for that reason, it's open, it's flat. Uh, he might not want to come well, up here. He stayed down also darker. Also with that fence, like he a, might, he might been not, around, like he might feel trapped in there. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know any type of funnel, like deer really, even does will be on high alert. Sometimes it can be tricky to pull off a shot. Yeah. You know, they've come in there because they know they're you know, everything's they're, falling down. It's like right. they're on you know, they're on edge and it don't take much for a doe to be like, oh, I'm out of here. If it's doing the rut, if she busts out of there, it's always a slammer right behind her butts in that whip. Yeah. She never busts out alone like, hey, I'm by myself. I'm run away. It's like, no, there's, you know, a giant behind her. And it's like, why? Yeah. But the first thing we looked at on Onyx Topo, sat, you can't really see, sat, you could see the saddle, the cuts, but them little, little, little hidden gems like Greg was talking about. But uh, we also seen some clear cuts on that ridge and we thought that it was open and there was fences, you know. So, um, and another, th- another ridge over I thought was like an old clear cut and I think it was just Laurel, you yeah. know, but in this situation, it's different to kind of where me and Bo hunt. It's where me and Bo hunt's more gradual. Um, they're not using the terrain as much, you know, in in like this area is, in, but there's a lot more cover. So they're more roaming. But in this situation, I learned, you know, um, they're going to adapt somehow and they're going to live here, whether to use that saddle or when Greg really pointed that out, that they're, they're down here, you know, that made sense, you know, but going into it, looking, um, I was looking for cover, but the cover wasn't there. It was fenced in, not saying the deer ain't in there, but the, the cover was minimal. There was some, well, before I met you on the other side was, there was a lot of laurel, so I can see them being in there, but it, it's weird this time of year, uh, with no acorn, there, there's no food in that laurel, you know, just, just a big flat of mountain laurel, you know what I mean? So you got to kind of, you know, shift the gear a little bit and say, yeah, we're shed hunting. There's no food in that laurel on this flat over here. We're gravitating toward the clear cuts where the fenced in was, but that doesn't mean he could be laying in that flat during October, November, mm-hmm. you know, and, and staying in that laurel for cover if there's a mass crop of acorns, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I put that in my memory bank. I seen them at laurel on that flat over there. And then, um, you know, the, that other flat with the, uh, the fenced-in area. Um, but the most part, it was a lot of open open land. So, definitely, topo was something to, to look at. But yeah. I learned every every time you go into a new area... You learned something, and that snow helped us learn where they were bedding with the snow or maybe hunting, pre- and they might just keep bedding them areas because of the pressure. They adapted to that. But, I mean, just, just like every situation you go to hunting deer is completely different, and that's why it's good to have two other people that have their take on it, yeah. you know, and not just your maybe tunnel. Like, that's why I said to my buddy Ross, yeah, this is good right here. It's like, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? I'm like, well, because maybe you have, a, like, Greg has his idea, and I'm, I'm with him like that. I'm, like, learning. I'm like, 
and we put all the pieces everybody got a piece of the puzzle and you fucking put them together and try to see what the picture of the puzzle is you know what I yeah mean? so it helps to have what's a couple you, other your, guys that know their shit you know how do you approach this new trend for you being that bow being yeah. that's different for you because of steepness yeah i mean it's it's definitely different so i've hunted steep terrain and like really steep terrain in like southern ohio and stuff but it was all just oaks there was no clear cuts or anything and it was and it was shorter hills they were just steep and then where i normally hunt in the big woods I, there's some areas that do have some steep terrain but this is like bigger steep terrain and everything so the way i kind of looked at it was i i love clear cuts i love logging cuts so i was looking for those and the reason for that is is one it provides if depending on the age of the the clear cut it can provide cover and bedding and it can provide food for them and I, I truly believe in like big wood settings, if you can get a mixture of oaks that have like, you know, acorns and everything and then clear cuts, which provide a ton of different food from, um, you know, from the brows of briar bushes to ferns to just little twigs that they're munching on, you know, anything. And if you can get a place like, like this is that has a mixture of everything, I think deer can hit their genetic potentials because they have that foods, those food sources. Diverse. Yeah, it's a diversified. The oaks know. don't produce. They have other things to fill the void. Yeah. So like, so when I, when I looked at this area, I wanted to find areas that had, you know, those clear cuts, had potential for oak ridges, and then look at the terrain with that. So I was looking at, you know, areas like that had saddles or or um, deep draws like you were talking about come up you and I picked the same areas <laughs> yeah. when we sent the maps over and we're twinning yeah twinning <laughs> and then looking for even like even like little logging roads or anything that go in between them that you know create a, you know a funnel and which we ended up finding these fences created their own funnels but when I go into an area like this I'm looking for those from a rut standpoint and then in the last few years, I've been really focusing on, you know, betting, like, you know, with the points that you and Johnny found where I walked a different direction just to check out something different. And, but trying to take all that information, all right, this is where they're betting. Here's where a potential funnel is. Here's where the food is and trying to set up based on that. But I love edges. So, and that's, that's, I guess it comes with the different between the, the clear cuts where the edge of the clear cut meets the big woods. You know, things like that, those edges, man, I love hunting in different terrain features. I mean, or, or um, vegetation features, I guess, from that standpoint. And then you combine the terrain in there. I, In my head, I feel like if we went in there, even on year one, we could kill a good deer. Another like, thing I do. I, another thing I had in the back of my mind was, like Greg said, he found him because of pressure. I think that's always in your head, pressure, pressure, hunting these pressure deer, but think like we kept saying bow hunting october we're a mile and a half back them deer can be midday anytime moving Did you, i mean i didn't see any other hunter sign from a tree stand standpoint no i didn't see one tree stand rifle hunters drivers yeah so i think if we could get in here if there's a good mast if we could spend three four days catch them hitting them flats well, that, well, that one flat where that signpost rub is like because you got those beds and there's numerous types of oaks on that flat so odds are that flat gets crushed being way out at the end because you know you got there was white oaks there was some red oaks in there there was some uh, chestnuts so there's odds are there's going to be some type of mess on that little 
point on that flat. Thing. Yeah, on, on yeah, it flat. Yeah, and then yeah. you have the brows from yeah. the clear cut being there. And so you have that whole mixture. Like, that's an area, like, you know, that I would key on. And again, I, you know, kind of chose it on the map looking at it, but didn't know because we weren't. And it's a good spot where you could actually do an observation sit with the right wind coming around or not being really super invasive. Like, you can sit yeah. off off that flat a but still of- be in a position to kill because the way that you know some of them little draws were coming up on that fence line like it was creating a funnel where most people probably wouldn't look at it as a funnel but mm-hmm. like you know you got a big open basically a bench and you had all, all you know, deer tracks in the snow yeah you know you could actually have an observation stand but it's also a possible good killing stand you know um just outside that flat so you're not really contaminating the food you might get a couple sits the early season. Yeah, and another thing, you're going to get a couple sits because we're on top of the ridge and the wind's going to stay true up yep. there. You can play the wind all the time. Yep. You know? Yeah. You know, you're no, you're exactly you're exactly right. And that, but that's that's kind of how I looked at this area. And again, I'm definitely no expert in this. This is different. The laurel, everything else is different than I'm used to hunting. But just taking, you know, what I've known from hunting big wood style deer and applying it to these other you know features I, I i think that's that's how we could you know be successful and anybody could be by doing that and you know we were talking about the hunting pressure you know aspect of it and i you, you don't know until you you do it but i truly think that that area in archery season is very limited and on that was pressure. a main reason for hitting that is because we weren't in an area that was easy accessible yeah it was a we had some better food sources next to the road that we saw some new on the way in yeah a ton of tracks which and everything and i said we should maybe shed hunt that tomorrow because we're going to find some horns but that doesn't mean they're going to be back where we want to be hunting in october november yeah oh yeah yeah only a mile or two that ain't shit plus with road hunters you're going to get more people even spotting deer and said those older deer even does they they just don't want to be bothered yeah. They'll go down to the road, you know, at the you know, cover of darkness. They're not going to come down there, you know. And even, I know in Jersey, there's, you, you even slow your car down, the deer are gone. <laughs> like, they don't even mess around. It's like, skirt, you know, you just put your brakes on, and the deer are like, later, they we're out. They don't want to be know, bothered with and, no. And what we yeah. have, like, is an advantage where we're at now in a lot of places in northern Pennsylvania. And, you know, in, as you get into, you know, other states, too. Like, we're speaking of Pennsylvania because this is where we're at, but... We're so far away from any major cities, even little towns, that you're not getting the people that are hunting after work. You're not getting the people that, you know, even just come for a weekend as a, unless you're someone that has a messed up mind like we do, you know, most people aren't coming unless they have, you know, a bunch of days to do it Mm -hmm. and are diehard about it. So really. You guys got Sunday hunting yet? Not yet. I said See, that's, the, that's another thing that probably throws a lot of people off. People don't yeah. come up, drive up here to hunt a Saturday. Or one day, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And so I, I, I think from a hunting pressure standpoint, we have, like, in, again, in the area that we're looking at right now, this brand new area, without knowing it and without hunting it during the season, I think we're we're decent on hunting pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the deer are still going to be smart as shit because rifle season, bear season, there's people moving in here. You, there's, we can't, you know, go about that. But during the season when, if we were going to be hunting in October, November, I don't I think, see, I don't see many hikers up here. It's not like a hike. No, this ain't, I don't see any, there's no hiking trails and shit. No, no. So you're not, maybe a snowmobiler. Yeah. Like during like the summer, you might get some people four wheeling, 
you know. Yeah, you might get in there first weekend and smoke one. Because yeah. he's just, that's probably, he's he's not ready for anything. Yeah. You know. He's been three or four months of relaxing, his guards down. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I, like I said, it's really cool and it gets me, like, excited and rejuvenated when you go into a new area and i i talked about that you know after i killed my buck this year this is my third or fourth year third year hunting fourth year excuse me hunting in this one area and i had hunted a whole bunch of other areas i, I bounced around a lot but it was really focused on this one area it was my fourth year and i got the area not figured out but know how the deer are using it to a point where i'm just like i'm ready for something new i love change you know i could probably hunt that area for 20 years and keep dialing it in but it's fun going to a new spot and the anticipation yeah you don't know what's gonna happen it's a whole new learning sequence you can never stop learning five years to kill a deer in here or it could take us one day and we kill a slammer (laughs) yeah you know you don't know and that's what's so cool about it three guys that have a a similar mindset uh different methods to achieve methods and i think the big thing is being optimistic and positive and adapt and that all if you got a couple guys that come out here and one guy's kind of like uh, i ain't walking way out there it just yeah. kind of brings all the morale down but yeah. if you get a couple guys that are on the same page you got strength in numbers boy you're gonna you're gonna be successful because you're gonna feed off each yeah, other like and, I said, you if we decided you know, to come up here in the first week of the season we would like said like both said a good chance one of us would kill something or have something in range to kill mm-hmm. you know seeing you know killing sometimes isn't necessarily in the cards you know but yeah. if you get just a mature deer in, in range yeah, yeah like this, that's a win you as know? outfitters say yeah 90 percent chance opportunity yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know or, you know i think we could definitely but i mean like you it. said people come on up try it out but we're not like the more i look into it we're not the only state with with big land and, and public land this could be i mean i looked into West Virginia, they got big deer. There's New York, like you said, Massachusetts. There's Arkansas. They're just like Northern Michigan, Minnesota. Michigan, Minnesota. It's just like you don't have to come to PA. You just go anywhere, find that spot, and study it and learn it. And you know what I mean? Yeah, any state. Not every state has a big woods, mountain, hilly type of you know either big woods or or mountain type terrain in it. That massive view tens of thousands of acres mm-hmm. you know and that's pretty much what we're, that's I mean, the truth yeah so it's like don't say oh these guys are in pa you're gonna if i lived in massachusetts i'd probably be doing the same thing yeah. about massachusetts because it's yeah. there too you just gotta find just it. with a little bit different you just again everything with whitetails and what you know greg you and i talked about this in the last podcast you and i did and john and i talked about it on ours Whitetails are such a crazy animal because they live in so many different places. So whenever you go and even you can have similar terrain in a different state or even 10 miles down the road and they're going to act a little different. It's just getting in there and trying it. And I, I can promise you once you taste that success a little bit. It's so rewarding and even more so it makes you want to come back and keep doing it. Well, that's... You, know, you know, I mean, we all of us, you know, say we can go hunt other states if we want to and we do. But... It's like I I will not sacrifice my Pennsylvania season to go hunt another state for whitetails or, or like and that could be true for like say New Jersey if you're there or Virginia or whatever it is when you find these cool spots that are remote and have that adventure aspect to it man it's it's pretty cool. Well, that's you know 
my experience in the mountains is said I I got a, a long drive. It took me six years to kill a deer, uh, kill a buck in the mountains. Six years, and those three years of not seeing a fucking thing, like driving up there, spending three days, and mm-hmm. fucking seeing nothing. When I say nothing, like nothing, <laughs> it's like it's such a. Uh, it didn't. It motivated me to to scout, you know, smarter, you know. I was like, I'm gonna get a GPS because you, you know, daylight breaks. You're like, where the fuck am I? You look around, you're sitting over in your tree and you're like, I don't even know where the fuck I'm at. You get down, you're like, I'm fucking completely lost. You know, yeah. I'm in the you know, 300 yards away from where I thought I was. Because yeah. you know, I used to have a compass and a map, like, yeah. a little headlamp. I'm like, oh, I think I'm heading the right direction. Now, once I got a GPS, it was like a game changer. It was like, oh, I can just go to this tree and it's going to take me, you know, at least 10 yards into this general tree direction. And that was like a, you know, the best thing for me. And then I was like, ah, all right, here's some deer. You know, I'm starting to see deer because. You know, I was actually where the deer were, not where, you know, fumbling around in the dark. <laughs> yeah, and and things have changed so much with like with that use of technology to to help. It's it's for more of a safety reason and just for helping you become a better hunter. I mean, you know, I you know, always had like the the GPS and the chips and everything. I mean, now heck, all of us are sitting here on our phones yeah. with running them on airplane mode, being able to download the Onyx maps offline, use them find this boss we're marking rubs we're marking you know this and that and and we can go back and it automatically transfers to our computer so we can sit on our computer look at it and try to take all the knowledge we learned and apply it to put together a plan to hunt and and hopefully get to come share another camp together you know sit around a fire and i, I tell you these these type of moments are, are pretty awesome yeah yeah and another thing is that we don't live close to where we hunt Greg had five hours. I had three hours. Well, six, had that, six yeah, and a <laughs> But it's not like, don't sit at home and say, don't be negative. Like, yeah, these guys, because they live. No, we don't live near this stuff. Well, you know I kind of I mean? do now, but I, I put myself you, in You're situation. closer, but <laughs> you're ruining the moment here, pal. Yeah, you, I know. I'm not Well, up until this year, I'd lived in the Pittsburgh area, and I would drive three three and a half hours right. every weekend to hunt for one freaking day because pennsylvania we don't have sunday hunting yet yeah that's 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 mind-boggling but anyways that's but another story i mean story. going back to to like the traveling i remember back in the day i'd go down west virginia down logan and i'd, I'd get up 2 a.m drive drive myself i'd go down there to, i wasn't worried about where i was staying i Logan, West, anywhere, West Virginia, Ohio, and up here, I'd get up 2, 3 a.m. Like Greg, he said, I I said, man, you know, I'm getting older now. Greg's like, I was up at 2.30. I was here. <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude, you know what I mean? But it's like he's optimistic, man. He's he's passionate, you know. And he's going to succeed. Well, that's you know what, what I learned here, being around you guys, because we're, you know, different methods. I can take back home. You know, it's like it's – one thing of you know hearing on the podcast or watching YouTube video, actually watching YouTube work, how you work through the situation, the terrain, it's ten times better than watching it on on TV or even yeah. listening to it. Like the people at home, like you don't really understand. You can't. You'll never be able to understand what we did today because just watching you guys work and how you guys think. Yeah, it's when like, you're in a moment when like Greg or Bo's talking about it, and it's kind of like they they forget. They forget they're with maybe two other guys, and and they're in their own thing, yeah. like, uh, and they're just going at, it and it's like you just let them go, and you're like, and then you get back, and then you you process all that, like okay, and, you know, and then you got strength in numbers, boy. Yeah, we were like, go, oh, yo, know, when I met up with you guys, you know, we're all 
showing the onyx maps the yeah. rubs i found you know like the excitement both you guys saw i showed you rubs both you're like yeah i know right here i've seen beds but yeah and that's great about not being like there's some people i've hunted with in the past they're like jealous or greedy it's like you go hunting with guys and maybe you're the most successful one or you've seen well, or you, you put your time in, your in case yeah johnny <laughs> all right we're back batteries just died uh it's, it's cold out here and uh so we get, grabbed some deer jerky took a little break and now we're back and gonna try to try to wrap this one up here but one thing that we really wanted to touch on is okay we're doing this scouting we're finding these areas we're finding the sign you know what are we doing to set up on this or how are you know in march now what are we doing excuse me to figure out how we're going to actually kill these deer Greg, do you kind of want to, you know, take the lead on this well, one? For me, you know, as as I've gotten older, um, when I was younger, I'd always say, yeah, I want to come back, and I never did. So I'd have these spots, and I would have a general location of, yeah, I think I could hunt here, but I didn't pick out an exact tree. I didn't pick out whether it's going to be a climber tree or a tree I put, you know, hang on in sticks. So whenever I mark a spot on the onyx now, you know, I if it's a spot, uh, that I can, you know, a doe bedding or, or like uh, a point, I'll actually pick out a few trees and actually that spot is for that tree. And then and, uh, to say something about that is him saying how I'll come back in the fall. And yeah. there's times I come back in the fall and it's like, I was here in the winter. Everything looks different because yeah. you got the leaves on a tree. Then you're like at square one again. Yeah. You know, so always just don't scout, always be thinking, wherever I come back in and hunt, I can hunt this tree. Because you don't want to be walking around, you know, aimlessly in the morning, you know, trying to find the perfect tree, you know, walking where you shouldn't be walking. Like, to be diligent if you're here, because especially in the mountains, it's sometimes, it's, you know, we were four miles away pretty much by the time, you know, mile and a half the way the crow flies, but damn near four miles to get to the, some of the spots. Well, odds are we're not going back to the same exact spot. So get your trees marked. Or a spot you want to put a camera so you can you know sneak in or you can put you know a half dozen cameras out in a in a timely efficient manner. No, I I, I completely agree with that, and I, I am so guilty of that, and was for years before I recognized it in my own head, where I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll come back to this, or I just mark just look at this big scrape, look at this, yep. and I just keep moving on, and I never looked at how am I actually going to kill a deer and hunt or your access points, like you know, all right, there this these deer betting on this point how are you getting there <laughs> without blowing every deer in the county out or how are you getting out or possibly how are you getting a deer out yeah if that deer runs downhill it's a giant rock face what are you going to do to get that deer up the hill and then a lot of times it's like whether it's a point or just a you find where a buck's bedding a lot of times i find that and it's like oh this is where he's bedding this way and it's like how am i going to hunt him then i'm like i can't because it seems like he has all bases covered, and you're like, fuck, I can't because he's playing the wind this way. He could see that way. What am I going to do? And it's like, it's foolproof. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't even, they're laying there for a reason, yeah. you know? Well, that's one of those things you, high risk, high reward. Like, I'll, especially in the mountains, like, I'll find the bed. I think it's a, you know, it's a primary bed or a, a very active bedding area. I won't. I got no cameras to tell me. I just kind of go all in. I'm in three or four days. I'll just go all in. And sometimes it's, you know, it's it's an absolute fucking disaster. 
you know, these deer are in there long before I get in there. You know, every deer in the county knows I'm there. Other times, you know, it, it, it plays out right. So you can't really overthink it. Sometimes you got to just trust your gut instinct and say, fuck it. You know, get in there, and then the first time they say is the best. You just yep. pound in there, get in and there. And you learn if you if you make a mistake, it's not necessarily a mistake. It's a learning thing. I'm like, all right, well, that didn't fucking work. You know, he see me or he blew out, but yeah. all right, he's there and he ran this way under pressure. And how so, you how right. and adapt to where he goes? Yep. yep. Yeah, no, that's and so like when you are setting up, like we're I mean, like we're in some pretty steep terrain. When you're, does that do you have any? thoughts on like your tree stand set up based on you know like your shot angle or anything like that that when you steep terrain you can be 30 feet up but you might be shooting a deer that's you know 10 yards away and it's straight down you better be practicing that shot on a 3d target not some block or blob or whatever name brand target you know that you know you're you have at home shoot an actual 3d target um and learn those angles aim for the exit (laughs) time and time again don't aim for the entrance aim where you want the arrow to come out if you want it to come out it's brisket you better start practicing for that that 20 yard shot wherever that your trail might be from your stand practice that till it's second nature you know because we all lost here in the mountains you know shoulder shots one lung in we were just talking about the one lung shot that's because people just you know they're thinking about the entrance not where the arrow is yep. going to be coming out there's that point i want to aim for that point and it's the yep. wrong spot and i've learned I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and we are so... You're getting older. <laughs> we also talked when we were coming out of the woods about tree stand safety and we were younger and Greg fell out of stand. I fell out of stand. He he broke his leg and it's like I went up. I didn't think about safety harnesses and then you get more conscious, you get older or whatever. It's just, just more safety aware, the, the awareness of it all. And I have actually gotten lower in trees yeah. and just... Since you got so much experience, you can learn how to still get that animal with not being 20, 30 well, feet I, in the tree, you know? I, I find from hunting bedding areas, I can actually sit a lot lower than I would those saddles. Like saddle, you got to be 30 plus feet because that deer's, they're, it's danger, you know, or, or some like funnels, it's danger. Like bedding areas off points, those deer, like you were saying, they're bedding there for a reason. I mean, you can hunt low because that deer doesn't expect a human to be, you know, seven yards away from his bed, you know. So there again, you know, it's not necessarily as high you get, you know, the goal is not to be seen. It's not to get, it's not to be seen. You can go, you know, and use a lot of times I'll I'll take a bigger tree and I'll kind of use it, hide behind that tree, you know, or I, I use a lone wolf climber. And some people think I'm crazy, but I get up there and I use it all the time. And then when I see see deer coming, I jump up on my seat and get tight to the tree. You know, and I've shot a lot of deer that because I want to be a part of the tree. I don't want to be a sore dick sticking out here three feet away from a tree standing there. You know what I mean? Be like, looky here. What's this hanging out? You know, sore dick. Well, that's like, I mean, that's one thing I learned when I was up in Alberta, you know, when I was hunting with Jim Hole, he was, well, he wouldn't let us sit down at all, but the way he'd always have his, you know, his tree stands angled almost away from where you were planning on the deer shooting and you just stand, you lean into the tree, one shoulder, like your left shoulder into the tree and you can always look around and kind of creep around and be a part of it. So you're not yeah, it's st- a, standing away, like exactly yeah, two what foot away from, from the tree. Most platforms are 18 inches, two foot. And I mean, them does pick you out all the time. They'll look up there. And that's why I always jump up on that seat and it's only this wide, but I've shot deer off that seat. Cause I get in close to that tree and become just like a, a, 
a lump on that tree. I, you know? I always thought about like we were we touched the base on, on the saddle thing in the mountains. Like that actually might be a viable you know uh, hunting setup. First of all, it's light. So a lot of them setups are crazy light, but those saddle platforms and setups you know allows you to, to be that you know branch on a tree. You you're right. That angle. Yeah, you're just like. Yeah, broken up. You can yeah, use that tree because like, I, I with, even with the climber or even my hang on, like I pretty much stand all the time anyway. You know, ninety percent of my time I, I spend standing, and I face my stands usually away, you know, from where the deer coming, and I lean on my safety harness. I don't use a, a full body harness. I just use the waist harness held up high, and I kind of just like lean on it. And I want the deer, you know, that that tree to block some of my movements, be it with my camera arm or me, you know, shifting in the shot, you know. But being like I said, being stuck out. In the open is especially with a climber because a lot of times you're just in an open tree with not a lot of and then cover. another thing is uh if you got a hood up and it's cold man um it's just tough hunting can't you can enjoy it if you get a nice cold crisp morning in october you can hear them coming a mile away that's badass but sometimes you know you're you're looking over your shoulder and you hear the squirrels and you're oh man i'll hear a big buck coming and you don't they just boom, they're there, and it's like you got to be. And it's there's something to be said about that. And if you're going to sit all day, sometimes you do want to be facing what's going on because you know. But then again, you never know where they're coming from. It, but it's like you know, if if you have to look all the time, it's like you're looking over your shoulder, you're looking over your shoulder. You just got wore out all day. But I mean, that's what makes hunting hunting. It's just you. It's just tough out there, you know. But I mean. It's crazy, you know. So. Yeah, and, and I had never done that thing with pointing your tree stand away. I always just faced it the way I thought, you know, I wanted to sit. And not until I was up in Alberta and then now hearing, you know, you doing setups like that did I think of that. And now I'm looking at that when I'm looking at trees is how can I use that tree to, you know, for my cover and that standpoint. And that's too with uh, skylining yourself. Like sometimes being 30 feet up is the worst. You get too high. it puts yeah. you up and that, Every day in the county is like, well, oh, there's a sucker. And a buddy I'm of mine that way. Yeah. yeah, one year we were hunting in Illinois, and uh, he got up in it. We that was back when we were young. Yeah, we got thirty feet. We're badass. Yeah. You know, we got up thirty feet, and then these ash trees are wide at the bottom. And they get narrow. You're up at thirty feet in your skyline, but we think, oh, we always thought higher was better. You know, we get up there, and then he had a buck pick him off. Look up. And kind of didn't like it and then went about it. So my buddy, that's another thing. Don't just think that tree, stay there and hunt that same tree when you could have got down and moved. Because uh, a couple of days later, a couple of does come through 10 yards right under him. And it's that same buck come through and he just kind of mosey out around that tree, yep. like a half moon around that tree. But like Greg said, and Bo, like I always like to have the deer behind me and I use that tree as my cover. But then again, when you're sitting facing this way and a deer behind you, you just, it's hard to hear them coming, you know, it's just tough, you know? Yeah. And, and it is one thing to really point out here. It is super hard to figure out where they're going to be coming from. You know, they're not, you don't have a, you know, a food source in front of you or, you know, like a designated field or whatever it is. So they can come from any direction, but you have to, you know, you have to set it up for your best judgment. Well, that's why I like those side hill trails because usually they're coming left to right. Yeah. You know, that steep terrain, you find that slight little, you know, your boots on the ground, bench, bench, you don't, you're not going to see on the map unless you actually walk it. Yeah, because it's like 10 feet wide. Yep. Yeah, because left to right. You're know, going to go from left to right, so it's a lot easier to set up for that. Because if you face this way, you go this way, you got a perfect shot. Yeah, you're perfect. He's going to come broadside. Mm -hmm. Boom! He ain't seeing you. He's going to look up the hill, broadside done. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, right. those flats. I've I've run into problems with the flats because deer will literally just pop up. They'll pour on these flats, and you're just like, I can't move because there's literally those everywhere. And one pops up, next thing you're know, like, there's popping everywhere, and you're like, oh man. And then you get nervous because there's so many deer on this flat. Yeah. No, I gotcha. That makes sense. Well, guys, what do you think we wrap this one up? Get ready to. We'll have a couple more beers and some more jerky deer jerky and head to bed and get ready for another day of scouting and head back to normal life i guess what do you think boo yeah definitely get out and normal life get, get a couple <laughs> couple of your buddies and go out don't have to be pa go out and do a little this is badass not just the aspect of the hunting but we get to camp get to enjoy you know you know the environment and the woods and you know it ain't all about killing but you know and then like you said, you're making memories, man. It's just, it's not just the hunt, you know, killing the deer. It's the the chase of the deer and all the stories you have, and then camping around here. Go get a couple buddies and go out, do it yourself. You know, I've I've done this stuff myself. I'd go sleep in my jeep along the road somewhere and go hunt in the morning, go scout. You know what I mean? But yep. um, yeah, and 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 definitely like John, I think that was a really good point. And just get if you can find a couple guys that are or, or girls that are super interested or you know driven to do it it's it can be bad to bring people if they can be toxic to the environment if they're having yeah. negative attitude whatever yeah, that's it is. a big deal you know you got to be on the same page if you can find those like-minded people um to go with you you can it can make it that much more enjoyable and don't get me wrong there's definitely an aspect of the solo type adventure that makes it cool too so whatever kind of fits your bill just get out there and try it get out the spring um scout make a plan you know you can hunt mountain bucks i mean they're they're available to hunt every year they're within you know driving distances a few hours of really anywhere in the the east specifically and really any state besides you get like some really super flat places but you guys just suck um <laughs> just kidding and really but. we're we're out here a day and a half really scouting maybe um yeah, it's February, but we it's not green enough. March. Till, is it? Yeah, it's March 2nd. Well, you know, I'm close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it's February. It's February, March. Anyways, uh, you don't, you still got till May, it's still brown. Yeah, I mean, it's not green up. I mean, you got, don't say, oh, I can't, or you guys are able to do, you could take off. No, we're just an average, you know, doing it and well, taking also, a day off. I'll you touch know? on that. It was, a lot of guys that are, are uh, part-time hunters because they want a turkey hunt. They want a goose hunt. They want to, like, to do the level that, like, the, the passion that we have. Like, you literally have to give up something. Like, you can't striper fish, you know, turkey hunt, go bass fishing, and expect to put in work in the mountains or, or the flat ground, whatever terrain you're hunting, and expect good results on a consistent basis. You know, I don't really fish that much anymore. Yeah, I gave up on it too. Yep. you got to give up something. Your passion something. just You can't keep doing that, you. you know. You, you're spread so thin, you got to dive into something. And, you know, give the public land, you know, Big Woods Try or Marsh or whatever you got near you. Spend some time there. Give it three years. You know, it could be a life-changing years, yeah. experience for you, you know. Yeah. Find that passion, that drive that makes you want to become better. And then if you're the person that did the scout and, and set the stand and that that's all worth something, then when you shoot a two-year-old, three-year-old, you accomplish something in a public land. Or in John's land. case, a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah. 
but then that's a trophy in your eyes you know his whoever's eyes it is and it's like you're taking meat home you got food you got an adventure you know what i mean that's what it's all about right how do you define your adventure you know and there's we're just like ah i like how you worked that you know what i'm saying yeah that was nice yeah we're just we're just here in pennsylvania because we're two to five hours from it but i bet you everybody can find something two to five hours and, and have an adventure like this. I mean, Bo Even got the fishing. pictures. You know, you can do it with fishing or yeah. turkey hunting. It doesn't necessarily have to be deer hunting. Yeah. And there's and, trout fishing all up around here. You know, there's a, a great trout fisheries all over, bass fishing. Yeah, it all comes down to, again, your goals and stuff. And, like, you know, we talk here, we're talking about, you know, hunting, trying to find big deer and all that stuff. And that's because that's what our goals are with it or whatever. But that doesn't matter. What is you big know? to you? Yeah, what's yeah, what's big to you? What's what's going to fulfill your experience yeah. and, and your adventure? And nobody's going to say, hey, you didn't shoot it. It's like, damn, you. Got, that's awesome. Well, that's you know, what you did. My, my did this year. He's not my biggest deer by far I've ever killed. And I got more props on that deer. Because people have seen my struggle, my three-year struggle yeah. to kill a buck. And uh, I've got more props on that deer, you know, for the, the how it happened, you know, and, and the moments that led up to that. And the the joy that I got from it, you know, people could see it on the face and, and my social media post. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's pretty cool because I was happy for it, but it was ten times, you know, other people that I've never even met, random you know, social media strangers that were so fucking excited for me. And I'm like, dude, that's what's up. You know, people message me like, oh, dude, I've been following you. I'm so happy for you. Like, yeah, yeah. that's pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome. just talking, I mean, it's actually the first time I met Greg, but just yeah. <laughs> communicating with him and telling each other how we hunt and we're just kind of on the same page. And when he got one, it was like awesome. But um, just in general, you go so many years, like I'm on a three-year quest. I didn't get one. And it's like when you, you can feel. You got deer, just not with a bow. You're right. Not with a bow, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Just don't yeah. call that Johnny fool you. Yeah. Uh, but you know how it is to be in that position mm-hmm. and how fulfilling it is when you get that, and it's better than shooting that, you know, 150-inch one outfit or however, you know, like maybe private land. It's like it's not – when you get that one, and I remember I remember one time texting Greg, and I was like, dude, this dude's like me because it was like, yeah, and when you get that one, it's like, you just want to fucking scream like yeah, you know. And got that much energy and that much, you know. It, it makes you feel that good, you know, that you're on the same level. And it it could be a hundred ten inch deer, or it could be a doe, it could be anything. But when you accomplish that, you know, your goal, you know. What's well, you know my, my first deer mountain? Uh, you know, not to prolong this any longer, but my first deer in the mountain was a doe, and I literally I worked at an archer shop, and the guy was like. You drove three hours to shoot a doe. I actually did my backyard. I was like, you're missing the point, man. Like, yeah. I was out there, you know, 30,000 acres, like, no food, just random trails. And, I, I, I mean, I had a deer come down 15 yards, perfect shot, she ran 40 yards and died by myself, like, no help, dragging her out, you know. Like, that's pretty cool. You know, I was, what, 27 or whatever. So it was like, I was so, like, that's one of my best deers, you know, uh, best deer I've ever killed. You know, that, that whole the whole scenario leading up to that i'm like man that's pretty but yeah, that like dude, you said the, the sh- shit on right from jump street because it was a doe and i'm like well whatever man those and the, the guy, type of people you don't want to be around yeah and the guy <laughs> that the guy that owned a shop was like dude you do that and then you tell me how easy it is and i was like oh all right we're going down like that in the shop all right i was like <laughs> but then like you said even the drag it's like i'm so worried about getting the deer 
the, the drag is like you just do it you just yeah. got to do it and, and uh that's half the half the challenge too is getting that animal out and you got i got stories i can go on about stories that i drug you know and just it's that's part of the whole experience experience you'll figure yeah. it out it's one of them things you want it bad enough you'll get it out yeah like when people go elk hunting they, they don't realize the how you know painful it is to get an elk out you know like oh, i i walk with 100 pounds bullshit 100 pounds is a lot of fucking weight on your back you know yeah. for a little guy like i can't carry 100 pounds like if i we went out elk hunting i'd have to take like 300 trips but i prepare for that like I'll, <laughs> I'll be willing to put in that extra trip or two because i you put 80 pounds on my knees they're like i hate you and i'm not walking so yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a lot a lot of great points there guys i i think that I, I really hope that you know anyone listening to this what they get out of this podcast you know, past even the the tips and the tactics and the thoughts behind scouting these deers, you know, these just, deers, these deers. Did I say that? Yeah. Wow, and that the, must have been that, that high test beer that many, that, that that John gave me. You know, switching from Bushlight. But uh, anyways, yeah. If you can get anything out of this podcast, it's Don't that yellow snow. Yeah, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> trying to be serious here, Greg, <laughs> is to just you know get out there. Find, you know, define what you want as your adventure and hunt mountain bucks anywhere besides northern Pennsylvania. And that's what keeps you ticking. <laughs> that's what keeps you ticking, a little adventure in your life. You know, say, hey, I'm in kind of mundane life. Maybe I'm you're stagnant in what I do and just like, hey, do something different. Go out there and find, spend a couple of days in a, in a spring, go out there in a the fall. Well, it's a good tradition because what we grew up, you know, my dad was a, a camper, you know, and we did... Not necessarily remote, but we did camping and we we hunted public land, and those are things I remember. You know, I don't remember watching TV or anything. Those moments, spending time in the woods, mm-hmm. trying new things, experiencing new things, like that's life. That's what you're going to remember when you're 70. When we can't be doing this because we're all busted the fuck up. Yeah, you know, like you remember it. these moments. Bo will still be doing it. We'll be busted. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll be 30 by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that's that's a that's a good point. It, making having them experiences whether it's with your family or friends like bring your son daughter out let them yeah you know yeah no definitely that's like this trip we got i'm gonna remember forever and you know it's gonna be a lasting deal you know yeah anytime with me i'm sure it'll be something you remember (laughs) (laughs) oh man get some good people together have some fun gentlemen john greg thanks for coming on the podcast gentlemen i know I what just, the fuck was that <laughs> i know i thought i was talking to someone respectful yeah. uh <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast guys seriously it was yeah. a great time can't wait to scout well, you, some more kind of told us we had we didn't really have a choice no yeah, you that's did. What he did yeah. Yeah, basically. i just said that's what we're doing yeah and you guys agree Do we touch it. on what we're doing tomorrow um scouting yeah find <laughs> about a half shed. day maybe yeah. a little shed hunting and wrapping yeah. it up day and a half out the door yep that's it man and and that's all you need mm-hmm. that's exactly it so and like i said this is gonna if you're listening to this live you know or when this is released gonna be having the story going on on x hunt check that out on their instagram stories um if you check out you know our social media pages you'll be able to see that stuff so um when it's gonna come out check that out follow along and Hope everyone enjoyed listening to this. So thanks for coming on, guys. Later. All right, thanks.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.